Origin Clear is a company that focuses on wastewater treatment. And hello, everyone. And welcome to the Water's New Gold CEO Briefing. Our mission is to transform the water industry. Decentralization offers us this opportunity. The plan that you've built here is super impressive. The world is experiencing a crisis in regards to water. It's a great opportunity that you are giving us investors. The decentralization of water treatment means that we no longer need to establish giant water treatment plants. Let them fight over the 20%. Let's work with the 80% that's untreated. Over 21,000 unique alternative investments. Three million jobs in the U.S. alone. Making it easy for the regular investor. All the old trends just accelerated. Lucrative and fulfilling. The vision I've got is to standardize these products. Design build, own, and operate. We have 65 people in the room. We got an important message to to the world. We can put a guy on the moon, but our water is horrible. Recycling all that water, it's a huge impact for the environment. Bringing new infrastructure in, drive growth in America. That's a critical part of the picture. It's a twin 125-gallon-per-minute RO system. I don't think we're talking about a $10 million fund. We're talking about a series of $10 million. Yeah. The opportunity itself is very big. To live, yes. Take care of the water. Not too many CEOs do a weekly briefing and are willing to talk to individual investors. And welcome everyone to the CEO briefing. And Bob asked for an update on Ponster. We will give you an update on Ponster. Now, um, let me go ahead and get this party started. Okay, well. Water is new gold, and we are Thursday the 20th of 22, and uh, briefing number 143. That's, wow, that's a lot of weeks. And so we have the world's only vital, scarce, and recession-proof market. If you think that there's not a recession in the offing, then you probably should um, think about how it's a really overheated market. And Everybody is out on margin. And when everybody's out on margin, then margin calls call, cause a domino effect. So um, just make sure that you're properly protected is all I can say. Um, but in the interim, here's what's interesting. We are seeing so much demand for uh, progressive water treatment and modular water treatment systems that um, we think that there's a lot of um, use it or lose it mentality that that basically the economy is gonna keep heating up because people know that inflation is happening. So they won't need to spend sooner rather than later. And so in the short term, I think we're gonna see a lot of boom times for a long time. The saying goes, the, the last 80% of a bubble occurs in the last 20% of its run. So we will see interesting times ahead. Just be ready to cut your losses once uh, things start to go over the top. All right. With that said, let's uh, jump into, uh, of course, Spanish language interpretation is available. Heather is doing a great job. Just click on the globe. And uh, the usual safe harbor statement um, that we believe, we estimate, we may, we expect, we always qualify our statements, but we also try very, very hard to be accurate. All right, well, as I stated today in the CEO update email, and if you're not getting my emails, then check your spam and whitelist emails from Origin Clear because there's lots of interesting things. So as you know, we've been raising money for water on demand, which is um, money used to purchase water equipment systems that uh, clients will not have to pay for upfront, but they just pay as they go. 
And we have actually put this capital to work. What have we been, do we've been doing? Well, last quarter, the um, uh, progressive water treatment was in a, they received a huge amount of orders. And what happens when that happens is you get a bit of a cash crunch. And we loaned uh, some money, not a heck of a lot, only about $150,000 to them. And this earned interest. And um, the investors in water demand who were in at the time uh, will receive their profit shares. So now the way we treat the interest stuff is we don't do a whole bunch of uh, deductions for operations and so forth, because that's you know obviously meaningless. It's just money. And so we take what comes in, we split it, and boom, you have your profit share. Uh, but the big goal, as you will cover in a little bit, of course, is to put it properly to work. Uh, but we also don't want to leave the money idle. Okay, more to come on this. Uh, there's lots, lots more news coming. On the 19th, I was interviewed by um, Rick Tittle, who has titillating sports on uh, USA Radio Network. And this is a really interesting article. Um, sorry, sh a very short, well-crafted statement of where we are and why. And here we go. So you'll be able to follow the bouncing ball here. Let's get this party started. And it is the uh, CEO of Origin Clear, Riggs Eckleberry. He's here because when you think sports, you think of the global water crisis. First of all, Riggs, welcome to the show. And I have to say, Riggs Eckleberry, great name, huh? <laughs> well, I suffered for it when I was in, in um, you know, grade school. But later, in later years, the chicks liked it. What can I say? <laughs> so you got called Eckleberry Finn? Oh, I think the best one of all was Pig's Wiggle Belly. <laughs> Jeez. All right. Well, most cities in America rely on centralized water systems. We know that. And um, uh, so 80% of our water apparently is not cleaned uh, after that. So what, what's going on here, Riggs? Okay. Well, let me just step back a bit. The 80% of all sewage is not treated is a worldwide term. By no means are we failing to treat our sewage at a basic level in America. But in places like Bangladesh, where virtually no treatment is happening, that kind of, you know, puts a, puts a thumb on the scale. But let's talk a little bit about our centralized utilities. The America's water systems, there's about 100,000 of them, have been underfunded since uh, going back to the 70s. The federal government has contributed less and less and less. And today, in fact, they don't even give the money. They, they, they lend it to the cities and counties. And so as a result, we've accumulated a backlog that gets worse by right now about $75 billion a year of falling behind on essential infrastructure upgrades. And you ask, well, didn't the Biden administration just approve a multi-trillion dollar infrastructure bill? Well, the water part of it, for sewage and storm water treatment, et cetera, was only $55 billion. So if you do the math, that's less than one year of backlog and that's probably the last big thing that they're going to do for infrastructure. So we have a problem with centralized water treatment, but we also have a solution. Let's take the example of uh, Flint, Michigan, which got a lot of headlines. And they were on Detroit's water system, and they thought, hey, we, we can save cash if we just start using the Flint River, and people's hair started falling out. What was going on there? Well, there was just some terrible mismanagement, but it's a symptom, Rick, of what's going on with, with – um, not just Flint, but we've got, you know, Compton. Terrible story about Compton, California. One day the water started coming out brown from their taps, and, and they called up the, the water district, and the, the guys in the water uh, uh, utility said, well, that's not going to hurt you. It's just magnesium. 
And they're like, no, 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 we'd rather have clear water if that's okay because we do, you know, pay our taxes and we have a right to it. And actually the water district said, no, in fact, for 10, 15 years now, you have not been funding us. We've been running out of money. The city council has been doing nothing. And here we are. And the same thing in South Bend, in Fort Lauderdale, all over the country, we see failures of municipal water systems happening at an increasing rate. And, you know, what they are doing is they're holding the line with their promises to the consumer. In other words, if I'm a residential user, I get my water and I can flush my toilet. That's that's they're not going to let go of that because there'll be a, uh, you know, mass illness as a result. But who's suffering is industry, agriculture, business, the, you know, the commercial users who actually represent 87% of all water usage are the ones suffering from all these problems. So how do, is it a, a, an issue where we need to, quote, unquote, decentralize water? Well, if you recognize that for some reason, and, you know, we seem to spend a lot of money on other things, but we don't spend it on water, and I don't understand why, but let's put aside the psychology of it. We're not, you know, we're not going to see a centralized uh, intervention anytime soon. There's not going to be a Manhattan Project for water to fix it. And, mm-hmm. you know, when you think of it logically, who's going to install, you know, trillions of dollars worth of systems um, in urbanized settings, right? So it's going to be a problem to, you know, it's going to take 30 years and permitting and the NIMBYs and so forth. So let's just put aside the idea that we're going to fix centralized water systems. Well, the next best solution is to reduce the job that they have to do, to unload them and make them, you know, deal only with water that's already been treated at the point of use, which when you think about it, it's kind of logical, right? And, and in fact, we've done studies that shows that it is, you know, better for climate change, et cetera, if you treat all your water right where it is instead of sending it all to some central facility. So here's a long story short. Decentralization is something that the water industry is encouraging um, because they just don't have the infrastructure. It's healthy. It's good. And so now businesses, farms, um, industry are starting to treat their own water. But guess what? Where is the budget for it? And that's the next big question is there's all kinds of municipal bonds to, to, to pay for municipal systems, but there's nothing going on that can capitalize you're a brewery, you got to expand, you know, you've got expanding operations, now you've got to start treating your own water. You don't have a cool million dollars sitting around, and you ought to put your, your credit line to work making beer. So who's going to finance this distributed water system? And that is the problem that has been really, you know, perplexing everyone. And we, we, there's a story behind this about how we think we came with up, up with a solution. Well, that's my last question. Origin Clear Water on Demand. How does that work? Well, what we learned was um, this came out of our experience because we have a an operating uh, business in Texas that that does wonderful work with um, with companies to um, to treat the water. And um, but we were accumulating in early 2020, we're accumulating a huge backlog. You know, at the time, I think it was 45 million dollars worth of business that was ready to go most of it needed financing and we realized hey it's the money stupid we have got to solve the money problem and then the next big realization was wait a minute investors like you and me can invest in oil wells they're called master limited partnerships mlps and it's been a very healthy uh piece of the oil industry for since 1980s 
well, why don't we have this for water? And we realized that no investor can invest directly in water systems, and yet they want to. People love water. And it's, you know, there's always going to be more dirty water. It's a very stable problem. It's a life-giving commodity. And we can return the same kind of wins that the oil industry gives from the water industry. And investors, frankly, are flocking to it. We call it water on demand because literally a business can just sign on the dotted line, get their, their system fully maintained, you know, water system in a box, we call it, and they're off to the races. And so this has been very, very popular. And we're actually very proud that we're enabling everyday investors to jump into water investments like an oil well, get the royalties, get the, um, and, and in our case, get stock, et cetera. And it's all going to add up to better conditions for water by solving it right where it's used. That's Riggs Eckleberry from OriginClear.com. Riggs, thanks for your time. Rick, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Well, there we go. So that was um, a very interesting and um, basically concise statement of our, of our quick story. All right, let's go. Water on Demand Operations with Daniel M. Early, professional engineer, chief engineer of Origin Clear. Well, good afternoon, Dan. Uh, so it's nice seeing you in 2022. Happy New Year, Riggs. Good to be with you. Yeah, and I, I think you should have been with me when I was up in Steamboat Springs over the break. You know what I'm saying? Um, I, I saw the uh, saw the videos, Riggs, and I'm um, desperately, desperately jealous. I, I should be there. Uh, years are passing by. I need to get back on the slopes. Good. Well, let's make it happen. Um, Warren Miller famously said, you know, the, the guy who kept touring with all those ski videos, ski films, mm -hmm. He famously said, each year you don't ski is a year you didn't ski. That's exactly right. Right? That is exactly right, my friend. So with that in mind, uh, let's, let's aim for that. But uh, the, the purpose of us talking today uh, on the 20th of January is really to explore uh, how we're going to be delivering water on demand. Now, we, we're, money's coming in. Investors are very excited. Uh, we're soon going to hit the million-dollar mark in the fund that is needs to be spent on assets. But the question is, how do we do it? Now, the first thing we understand is um, that progressive water treatment and modular water systems as fabrication organizations are already pretty maxed out. And we can add personnel and so forth, but the danger is we won't be able to, ex to expand fast enough for the amount of money being raised because money is raised faster than you can add staff and build organizations. So the natural answer is, well, why not delegate it to water companies in the local area? Like, and it makes you very popular because all of a sudden like manna from on high, boom, here comes a bluebird and it's a contract um, without all the negotiation we've, we've, we've selected you and so forth. So um, that is the first layer, which seems obvious, but it also makes us scale up. It means that we don't have to rely on our production capability in uh, McKinney or in, in, your, in your neck of the woods in Virginia. So that's my first thought. Um, and then you emailed me uh, before the break actually about your idea about consulting engineers. Tell me a little bit about that. I'll be glad to Riggs. Um, in the course of my day-to-day -day practice, uh, as, as I am out working and promoting the modular water and systems division in our product lines, I, I'm routinely engaging with the consulting engineering world. 
the consulting engineers, uh, they play a major role as an independent third-party agent working on behalf of an end user or a customer uh, that needs a piece of equipment, a piece of water equipment or wastewater equipment. And invariably, um, conversations talk about technology, mm-hmm. and then ultimately they talk about funding. Right. They wonder, hey, how much is the how much is the the piece of equipment going to cost? And that is hugely important. Uh, how to finance and how to fund a project, a water project is usually that's where the decisions are made, and that's where the projects um, live and die. What I what I'm really seeing, and I'm and I have seen this firsthand, and have experienced this firsthand over the last several months is that I have been introducing the water on demand program, the concept of what it is to the consulting engineering community. Uh, And I will, and I can share with you Riggs that the engineers that I work with, when they learn about water on demand, what they're recognizing is, is that, hey, not only does modular water and progressive water treatment and origin clear have really nifty packaged wastewater and water solutions, now they have this funding mechanism, this finance mechanism that it basically helps streamline things. Um, you may have a developer or a contractor who may not uh, be flush with cash, or they may be looking at their performance on how the cash flow of the project is going to work, especially if it is a development that needs a water or wastewater utility. And so what happens is when we introduce the water on demand concept to them, they're like, okay, now I've got another alternative funding source that's not conventional lending, not conventional loans, it's not a government-backed bond, it's not as onerous relative to the red tape, and that the interest uh, the interest level that I've seen over the last say sixty to ninety days has been very very positive. Uh, I do I can report that I do have uh, several customers, both consulting engineers and specifically developer slash end users that I've spoken with in the last two weeks that I've introduced the water on demand concept to, and they want to learn more about that mm-hmm. because it helps about they can it finds that it, uh, it's a different form of funding and it gives them the ability to use conventional loans and, and funding where they need to use it and then they can use this alternative funding specifically for their water infrastructure and their water asset program so it's um it's a i really am excited about this it, the message that i want to communicate is that consulting engineers are supremely important to this. They are specifiers, they're third-party independent agents, and this gives them the ability to bring this to bear and it helps us, it helps them. It's a win-win situation. Okay, so in addition, we're looking at uh, potentially embedding their fee into the package so that they are assured of being paid. I think that's a good thing, right? Yeah, it is. You can do that. That That is one of the upsides for the consulting engineer is that by bringing this to bear, we can work with them and above board. Everybody mm-hmm. understands who's doing what and what their fees are. And it, in the private sector, it works extremely well, very streamlined. Um, so it does work that way. Good. And then the other great thing, in my opinion, is consulting engineer represents the client, but they also represent the greater good. Like, um, So they, they are not really um, in opposition. They're really almost an ombudsman in the middle to make sure that things are done correctly. And in a way, they, uh, or, or even think of it as a guardian angel, right? They're there to really make sure that the thing comes off right. Um, and this, I think, helps us not be stranded out there with no help and what's going on. Um, even, with, even if we bring in a, a contracted water company to do it, we know that there's a consulting engineer who is part of the 
financial package. And as you say, it's fully above board. It's not a bribe or anything like that. It's, it's, right. it's a bundled fee. Um, and so in that way, there's someone who's kind of looking after the whole thing. Um, now, what we're talking about just before the call, we were talking about potentially saying, look, we will always have a consulting engineer with water on demand. And if someone perchance does not have one, we will assign one to the project. And, and of course, for the consulting engineer, again, it's manna from heaven, like, oh, nice. That was, that was nice. I didn't, I didn't plan on that. Um, but uh, it also means, you know, my experience, when you make a channel commitment, you say that we will always work with a particular um, uh, role in every contract, it, it kind of uh, brings about reverse loyalty, like we're loyal to them, they're loyal to us. It kind of creates this long-term relationship and a, and a brand that has a trust brand. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I, it's, it's fantastic. It, it's, it's a quid pro quo. It works both ways. It, it builds a mutually beneficial network and a mutually beneficial relationship. Um, I, will, I will also share with you to give you a sense of how, uh, how important I think water on demand is as it compares to conventional loans and lending and financing. Um, water on demand will work very, very well in the private sector. I personally think it will work very well, as crazy as this may sound, in the municipal sector. And there's a reason for that. Mm. In the muni sector, mm -hmm. it is very common for a consulting engineer or a consulting engineering firm to go out. They've got it. There's a, a customer that has a project and they need to fund the project. It's a water project, a wastewater project. Their conventional loans are community, community development block grants. They're USDA funded loans, a myriad of other federally funded uh, sources of, of money that, uh, that used to support these infrastructure solutions. The, the Build Back Better would be a good example of that. Problem with that is that is a fixed amount of money. It's a lot mm. of money, but it's a fixed amount of money, and it doesn't come anywhere remotely close to covering what is needed. Now, in the, muni in the municipal world, why I think this would work as well is we can cut through red tape. Mm. That's where this thing, it speeds things up. And so it is an alternative, pro an alternative funding mechanism uh, where private sector funding gets introduced to a municipal public sector project. It, it, that, I think there's tremendous upside for that. Well, you were telling us in, in the management meeting on Monday that, in fact, there is a, a municipal area that has over a thousand pump stations that are, because of the way they were built, they're coming to end of life. And we have an opportunity to blanket, to get a thousand pump stations, which is a thousand times, what is it, about a $200,000 product, something like that? Right. Um, it could be about a hundred thousand. The ones that I looked at were, I, I think it's about a hundred million dollar addressable market is what I think it is in that one region. hundred million dollars addressable market just for that one. Well, one type of infrastructure product, by the way. Just one. And we love pump stations because it's a tube with a pump. Thank you very yep. much. <laughs> it is. It is. Simple, simple as it gets. Yep. As simple as it gets. In fact, you should be paying them for the privilege of doing something so simple. <laughs> that's right <laughs> but seriously it is a way you can say okay look uh municipality of you know toledo ohio we we're we're going to um help you with this and by the way we packaged it all up it's one big, big thing and you'll just pay on a periodic or whatever basis it is and uh, and sign on the dotted line and they can always later when they get uh, grant funding, whatever, they can roll it in and buy out the contract. That's another thing they can do, right? So it's kind of a, a way to accelerate it is what I'm getting from you. Uh, yeah. Eventually, they would want to get out of the rent-to-center model, right? Um, but but they could do it when they had the funds. And meanwhile, they've solved the problem. And so that's, you know, you have 
already you have an, a, you know, a huge advantage in market because so many of your projects are designed to build. In other words, you, your specific technology and, and package and license and um, patents are, are embedded and requ a requirement of the contract. So how, how is somebody going to circumvent you? Another, here it's, this adds another incredible benefit, which is, by the way, you got the, you got the financing and, and no, it's not an SBA loan and it's not a, a lease. It's not all these uh, crazy things that require all kinds of backups. So no, here it is. And by the way, you know, until you um, buy us out, it is, the product is ours. It belongs to us and we have title to it. That is really, really, and you know, I wasn't even thinking about municipalities because I tend to say, well, you know, the, the trend is towards, you know, self-reliance by businesses. But the truth is that the municipalities still have a shortfall, as you say, they, there's not enough money going around and they got to get, but they got to do something. The, the leakage, for example, um, non-revenue water, the water loss to leakage because of uh, faulty pump stations starts to add up. Now they're losing major revenue, right? So there's all kinds of interesting features to that. Uh, the water on demand, I, I really do believe that water on demand uh, in the small public sector utility world, the, the little small towns and the, the little hamlets that are off the beaten path, they they would benefit greatly from the water on demand model. I mean, you've got the private sector, which we obviously know that that's going to work, and that's gonna, that's where the future is and and mm -hmm. decentralization and getting away from uh, the bureaucracy of the public sector world. But in this in, in these instances where you have these established these established municipal utilities, um, they're beholden. They have to they have to provide service, and they cannot stop providing service. And finance and funding and those types of those obligations that come with that are hugely important. Water on demand is another solution, is another viable opportunity for them. And if it can cut out all the red tape, if they've got an immediate need and they've got to solve a problem, a regulatory issue or notice of consent or a violation, and they've got to remedy that in the next 12 months, the funding process sometimes can make 18 to 24 months. Meanwhile, they are getting hammered with fines and go to jail orders and those types of things. This would speed that process up. It would be an interim solution. And then later on, as the more conventional funding might come into place, they can buy it out. <clears throat> very, very, very effective model, in my opinion. Wow, that's really fascinating. And, and I think <laughs> that we're going to add that to it. Now, it's probably slightly different. It's probably not a consumption model. I think they probably would want a flat bill, I'm guessing. But but for the wastewater treatment plants, perhaps not. So good. That is so no. So what we've covered so far is, of course, um, the idea of, of contracting out um, to water companies all over America to do the actual work and the on-site support. So we're not stuck with replacing a membrane or something like that. Number two right. is, is um, making us available to the consulting engineer uh, to, to really uh, be an enabler and to embed their fee. Number three is to make it a policy to work through consulting engineers. And then number four is this idea of, of enlarging the addressable market to include the small municipalities to which we already sell systems. I see small towns always, you know, city of so-and-so show up on your forecast on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And also uh, of course, Progressive Water does the same. Now there's a final piece which Tom brought up to me the other day. And I think that's really interesting, which is you've got uh, an engineer out there a water engineer who's trying to provide a solution to their customer. Um, let's say it's a, they need a, a large booster pump or something like that. And, um, and they're going to get a contract, but the contract of course is paid over time, this, that, and the other thing. So we, we can provide a machinery, a, um, to be put in service, right? So they, it is not the end user who's, who's paying us. It is the, the, uh, the service point. 
who's paying us, which is really mm -hmm. interesting because there's several reasons that's good. Number one, already the performance and quality is taken care of. That engineer, he or she is taking care of performance. That's their job. We're basically just, again, just like what you're talking about with the municipality, we're simply providing um, a jump, a time jump and enabling that. And it might be short term or long term. So that is again, another channel player uh, that, that we would work with to provide them their the, the tools for the job, right? Um, really, and of course, again, they could buy it out because um, over time they might want to. Um, so that, you know, the, these, the, these five pieces are, are really, really interesting and they, and they give us so many ways to play. You know, we like to say that we're Tesla 2004, right? When, when Elon Musk came in, in and invested $30 million and, and then they built a really piece of crap Lotus with a bunch of computer batteries. Um, but they started, they did something, right? And then right. now over time, Tesla has become many things. It's got the, 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 the corporate fleets and it's got the, the, you know, the idea of the robo-taxi that your, your car works for you all the time. They got the, uh, the power wall. They're sort of like, they got a bunch of plays and this is where I think water demand is gonna go. It's gonna have a bunch of plays where um, we can basically be a finance organization, an opportunistic finance organization that does not require you to, uh, for example, um, you know, have an, a lien in place. Of course, we have lien uh, um, powers because it's our property, but we're not leasing. It's not a finance program. It's not a loan. It's simply a, a service. Mm -hmm. And that to me, is really, really interesting. So in this short conversation, we've, we've explored, you know, five different um, spokes to the water on demand concept. It's, you know, I'm, you know I, I realize that, that this is our own baby and everybody loves their own baby, but this, this is fascinating, I think. It, it really is, Riggs. Uh, and using the spoke, using the spoke analogy is correct. Uh, if you look at water, if you look at the water world as a wheel and all the spokes that are in part of the wheel to make the wheel turn, Finance, technology, service, engineering, all of those things, ownership and operation, all of those things uh, represent a spoke in the wheel that is the water wheel. And you have to have all of those things. Uh, right now, the problem with the industry, and it's plagued the industry and it's just terrible, is that you got a spoke on this wheel and you got a spoke on this wheel and a spoke on this wheel, but none of them are, you don't have enough spokes to make the wheel turn. <laughs> and that's really what, that that really is what has plagued this industry. when. The, this, this really centralized concept is in this, this business model and enterprise model that we're pursuing, um, both internally using our own capabilities, our own internal technologies, bringing to, bringing to bear the water on demand, but then working with channel partners like consulting engineers and other vendor, other equipment vendors that are not under our fold. Everybody, this, this will help everybody ex to accelerate uh, solutions, water solutions in the world, decentralized solutions where they where they're really, really important and really desperately needed. So this is a really a, a really a big thing here. This is huge. Well it makes me think of Amazon because Amazon uh, is more than just a buying a selling platform. They perform many, many services to to various audiences and and uh, you know they've created this um, they've accelerated the pace of e-commerce tremendously. Which has made them, of course, a dominant platform, uh, but it's also very beneficial. You know, I tend to buy from Amazon by default because I, you know, mm -hmm. I've got 
you know, as a business, for example, I've got one place with all my darn receipts, you know, things like that. So right. it's really interesting to, um, to be a consolidator of a financial resource. And then what we like final piece is this idea that you've got this proprietary technology, five patents and, you know, a tremendous um, reputation credit, you know, credentials, and you do the webinars with the engineers and, and, you know, people, um, specify your technology so there's you know the, the design is uh, specified in the contract so then we go okay let's provide that technology to xyz water company for them to use in the contract because it's technology we know that you can manage uh, and you can make sure there's best practices now we start getting license royalties and we will expand the use of the modular water systems uh, product line vastly beyond our own capabilities right now. I mean, right now you're a one-armed paper hanger, right? You're like going as fast as you can and it's going crazy, but there's a limit. Even if you had 10 people assisting you, there'd still be a limit, right? Whereas if we start doing licensing and it's all technology transfer, now we're talking about this amazing technology getting out there. So uh, I think that is sort of a final uh, cherry on top. So it's so, it's so exciting and fun. And uh, what I like about it is we can accomplish real change, right? I mean, yeah. I see it as a way to unblock so much of what goes on in water. Yeah, uh, the, the change mechanism there, being a change agent, a change agent in this business, that's hugely important. It really is. Fantastic. Dan, listen, it's been really fascinating talking about this. Um, and, uh, you know, this is something that as we build the water on demand team, we're going to have all these features in it. And, uh, you know, there's going to be a book about this. There's going to be a book. Yep. <laughs> I do agree, Riggs. I will tell you, I will share with you before we drop off that uh, 2022, we are three weeks into it. And this, the, the forecast for modular water systems program, our, the division there is just phenomenal. Just, I, I've been, the first three, the first three weeks of this year have been surprisingly just, I'm just shocked at the, the inflow of business and new mm -hmm. opportunities, new prospects. Uh, and it's just the 2022 looks to be a stellar year. I mean, 2021 was good, was really, really good. But I think 2022 and looking beyond that in 2023, the way the program is evolving, the way the, the our team has come together, I am just very, very excited for what the future holds. Well, what the market re rewards, of course, is stick to itiveness, right? We've been doing this since June 2018. The last week of June 2018, I think the 2030 was. And wow. we've been doing it steadily and building, and you've been doing all that um, influencer marketing, working with the manufacturing sales reps, establishing a reputation for high credibility with these, these organizations so that they go, okay, you know, we can give this to Modular Water. They'll do it. They'll handle it just fine. And just building that rep over time, getting on the radar, delivering, delivering, delivering. And then, of course, the, um, the fact that you are proprietary so that these darn, you know, opportunistic companies can't just rip it away, which we've seen it again and again when, when we don't have that kind of design differentiation. So it's really interesting. Um, and I'm my, I, I'm a gog. I'm watching the, the numbers. I'm like, darn, this is, this is crazy, right? So let's make sure that we attend to your survival by, you know, adding people to your team. I know that Tom is working a whole evolution to properly staff the line of business uh, directly at corporate. And I think that's incredibly important. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, you, you're going to be contributing revenues and profits 
that is fantastic. Then with this water on demand, you're going to be able to consult to it and, and, and provide your technology and licensing, et cetera. I think that um, we're going to have some fun. Um, and also I think the, that we're establishing, you know, new standards, new ways of doing things. And uh, which is why we're in business, right? We're not there to just punch the clock, right? That's exactly right. That would be boring. I don't, I don't, <laughs> Some I don't people, live they live by that mantra, like, hey, I paid, you know, I'm good, right? And I'll go to the Poconos to have to go on vacation. But other than that, I'm just punching in, punching out. But fortunately, not me. Not me. That's not who I am. <laughs> All right, my friend. Well, listen, Dan, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Um, and I'll play this tonight in a, in a couple hours. Uh, but you have a good evening and keep up the fantastic work. We're extremely happy with what you're doing for us. Thank you. Thank you, Riggs. Let's get back. Let's get back at it. Stay cool, calm, and collected. That's right. Ciao. What a great, what a great show that was. I mean, the the amount of stuff that we came up with in that short time, you know, I was uh, um, taking notes of of some of the stuff that we talked about. So there's really six key items here. Uh, the first one, of course, is the contracting water companies uh, that have um, that we we use to scale up, so we don't have to do it ourselves. Then embedding the consulting engineers in the contract so that his his or her seventy five thousand dollars is assured, and that's going to make sure that they that they participate. Number three, a policy of always using those consulting engineers and letting making that known that if there's one missing, we will add it. So not being short minded and going, oh, let's do without. No, no, no. Always use them, and that's very important. We're enlarging the addressable market to include small cities. That was a big breakthrough tonight. That was huge. We're not just saying, oh, we're just going to do business. No, because these cities themselves, as we know, they are running out of money all the time. But they have problems. If you're losing 20% of your money to leakage and you're able to solve that, get the money back, then it's worth doing a quick deal, a water on demand deal to get the machine in. And then later you can buy it out because you started making more money. Or if they never get the money, then they're endlessly on the rent. And while well, that is what it is, right? And uh, then rent to engineers who themselves use it as a service. And then finally, this idea of licensing the technology, a technology transfer to make sure that um, the technology is um, viable and that we know it, right? If we know the technology, every one of our installations cannot be um, uh, circumvented and uh, we also know how to get quality out of it. So really, really interesting. So that uh, interview I thought was so, so great. Uh, let me take a look at some of the, uh, well, okay, here we go. Thank you for all your input. I, I really couldn't stop. Uh, the minute I click on chat, somehow the video stops. So uh, bear with me. All right, let me take it in order. First of all, Bob Roos, update on Poster. All right, here's what's going on. We are, uh, uh, the, the, the Alabama, the Trial-Alabama site was a pilot. We're still learning how it works. We know, add, you know, we add, make it out more alkaline, more acidic, et cetera, et cetera. That's been ongoing. And, I, and Dan works very, very, you know, day-to-day -day on it. Um, but we have a second site, which is a mobile home park in Pennsylvania that not only is going to use Ponster technology, but is also going to be water on demand. At least the, the owner is talking with us about it. So that's, that's huge. Um, now also our, our good friend Ivan uh, from Philanthropic Investors tells us that he's scheduled to broadcast us in the top impact investing podcast in the US and that he's sharing stage with John Maxwell uh, with a 10 other top-notch entrepreneurs in the CREATE, number one Southeast Entrepreneur Conference. 
Philanthropic investors will have a booth with three people receiving interested future Weiler and philanthropic investors. That, in, that investment is fantastic. All right. Um, then we have a person who's interested uh, who gave us an email address and um, Maurice, Maurice, thank you. Uh, so Ken will follow up about Maurice. Keith wants to know, are more small businesses like the hotel and car dealership realizing it is essential to have a self-enclosed water purification system? Well, that's happening naturally. As, as businesses and people move to the rural areas, they have to have it. They're off grid and they can no longer dig septic tanks. That's over uh, because you have to have, um, I think 80 feet, is it, to the from the house to the septic tank and, and, and it's no longer really tolerated. So um, then also, um, I also wanted to, uh, Ivan tells us also, and this is very true, that Steve Santangelo, who was on the show uh, and, and is just an amazing manufacturing ex expert, um, he was a former Toyota South America CEO and he reported personally, he was the number one Westerner in Toyota worldwide. He has decided to become an advisor for water demand and to support the company. And he's made a tremendous investment in water on demand. All right, and that's, that's really appreciated. You'll hear more from that from him. Uh, Khadija says, building reputation over the course of nearly four years, excellent. And I see an award, uh, you know, money bags and a big award thing. Thank you very much. Um, Andre, uh, Andrea D'Agostino says, wonderful interview. And then, um, so I think this, uh, oh, and Bob Bruce wants to know when does Manhattan Street Capital start their program? Well, here's what's going on. We actually, what we had to do first is we had to take this whole water like an oil concept and translate it into what is now our own promotional funnel. And the numbers just blew up. It's crazy. I'm, I might show you next week just how crazy it is. Um, cost of acquisition just dropped like a stone because it's a really Water like an oil well is like a golden concept and it attracts attention like crazy. So uh, maybe I'll show you some of the art. And um, then once we had that, we had to work on that all the way through the holidays. Then we trans, we, we, I went ahead and wrote the, the portal for Manhattan Street Capital. And then Andrea, with the, this is magic. And one day he turned around a design for this portal. It's beautiful. And now it's being coded. So long story short, see Manhattan Street Capital does not itself promote. They're merely a platform by law. They can only be a, a platform. And so they say, okay, you guys take care of all the marketing, et cetera. So the same company that does our Facebook marketing, who knows us very well, Disrupt, is going to handle the market, the, the advertising for Manhattan Capital. And we've got the whole portal in place now and it's ready to go. So it's, a, it's proven good. It's, it rocks. The story is so powerful that um, you know it really is the result of months and months and months of I don't know how Ken and I do it, but we do, 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 and somehow it squeezes out. I don't know. Uh, it's like an elephant giving birth. It takes a long time. Um, and uh, it's not a pretty sight, but it results in something that I think is very, very useful. So that's huge. Now, next week, I mean, well, you know, I got to get back to this presentation, uh, but I'm going to tell you about what's happening next week in just one second. So this is a section about participating in our future. And uh, remember what the $5 million club, what does that mean? That means that if you invest in water and demand now, you get the conversion ratio reserved for people investing at least $5 million at once, right? That is a much, that's a huge difference, let me tell you. Um, now, there's all this, uh, here's the bottom line. 
you are investing in water equipment and, and in also the company developing the systems. And you will get a chance to hear all about this. Also, I plan to give you more updates about this digital bearer bond. That'll happen later. I way too much to talk about tonight. But there, this hidden feature is the sweet spot which you want to talk to Ken about. And please do. Now, um, oc.gold slash Ken is the fastest way. Just drop that in your browser, boom, and uh, book him. He's nonstop all day. I forced him to put in a 15 minute buffer between meetings because he was like, he was on just getting, he, he wasn't even getting up for the toilet for like eight hours. It's ridiculous. He was like filibustering. He was the filibusterer. Anyway, um, but here's what next week, I'm gonna do the state of the company. I'm gonna tell you what's happening, where we're at, where we've been in 2021. Obviously we, we can't yet report the final numbers for uh, 2021, but um, I'm gonna give you where we're at, where we've been, where we're at today and where we're going. Um, and that is going to be fascinating. So be there. I think it's going to be extremely uh, powerful presentation. So it'd be a great way to kind of report on how things are. All right. So with that, I'm going to just pop out of the, uh, I'm not supposed to do this to you. I'm not supposed to, uh, I'm not supposed to show you the stuff in the background, the wizard, um, the wizard of Oz, but anyway, Thank you, everyone. It's been so great. And uh, God, that interview with Dan, that was pure gold. Uh, we, we gathered more information in that one meeting. And literally, uh, none of that had been really discussed thoroughly. The consulting engineer thing had and the contract and the water companies. But this whole small cities thing, the more we work with Dan, I mean, he's one of the creative people in the industry. And we're so happy to have him. Because a lot of people in the water industry are like very serious people and they're very solid and they march down the world and then nothing comes out of the box. And Dan is thorough. He's brilliant. He does a quality job, but he's also willing to think outside the box. And that's what we need because we are, uh, if anyone remembers the Peter Sellers movie, The Mouse That Roared, we are the mouse that roared. Okay, everyone, we'll have a good night. Uh, Heather is going to wrap it up. So I'm going to turn off the video now, but please do be there next week. Spread the word state of the company, 2022. It's going to be a good one. Thank you so much and have a good night.